Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, welcome to the Out of Spec Podcast. I'm joined by Mike Breeling and Ben Spreen tonight. And today we're going to talk about the Lexus LX, the finally unveiled update, and the expected Mercedes EQ models coming to the U.S., and the upcoming Mazda CUVs, and much, much more. So let's jump right in. I'm actually tuning in from Scranton, Pennsylvania, home of all the office paraphernalia. And uh, this is actually my first time. I'm in the middle Yep. I'm in the middle, or I guess early stages of a very long 7,500 mile Miata road trip. So um, yeah, it's been quite a trip. Uh, Of course, I've got some photos to share for those who are viewing. Um, Let's see if I can figure this out. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) This is is drone footage uh, actually from the middle of Indiana. So I tried to like capture bits and pieces here and there, Missouri, um, Kansas City. Yeah, that's that's Kansas. <laughs> yeah, same. you encapsulated um, it just flat cornfields. Yeah, Iowa, it's about the same too. And then this was Pennsylvania. Actually, this is Missouri. And then let's see, Pennsylvania, Missouri. Pennsylvania is when it started getting hilly, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And the trees started showing like oranges, and then I went to a winery. Um, that That's was cool. super cool, just kind of up in the clouds. Um, so very fun, and Miatas are capable of road trips, much to the, the I don't <laughs> know, there's a lot of people that think they aren't, but I will. Why couldn't you? It's a car. Um, reject the reality. I reject your reality and substitute my own. Um, so, yeah, it's been a good time. Of course, I went to my first <laughs> Jeets, and then I went oh, wait, to, can, what's, can, the, what's another one, Wawa? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wawa is the other one. 
Sheets is better, but yeah, you know. Sheets was nice. Um, of course, I went to all, all the cheesy <laughs> tourist locations in Scranton. Got photos. Everyone's taking oh, photos. Cooper, with their is Cooper's phones a real place like, in Scranton, or is that like a fake is, sign? Yes. Did you think <laughs> no, it was before or after the show? Actually, way before. Yeah, it's kind of funny. All really? the places oh, the show went to were pre-existing establishments. Um, That's nice. It is just funny. Everyone, even though the show was filmed of, you know, in California. family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone's taking That's photos funny. of family, and I am just taking photos of my car with the stuff in the middle of my <laughs> my vacations. End up, it's like well, here's a beautiful scenery with my car in front of the scenery. Yep. Oh yeah, uh, that's so cool. My, I stayed in the air in an Airbnb in a 156 year old home in Richmond, Indiana, population like a few hundred. Um, so that was never fun. heard of it. Yeah, not neither had I. <laughs> um, it was it was it was a like four thousand square foot Victorian mansion with eight fireplaces, and wow. the husband makes stained glass and the wife makes jam, and they sell them at the farmers market. So that's rural Indiana for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, real <laughs> Americana right there. Miata is absolutely road trippable. Um, I should have taken a photo of everything jam packed in my video that I'm going to post on it. Um, but I had a lot of stuff. So good times. <laughs> That's basically what I've been driving. No press cars lately, just my own car. Um, I found out, I think my limit is about 20 hours before I have to throw my seat cushion on top of the seat. Because uh, it's not the best seat. I will give <laughs> the critics that. It's it's a little rough. Um, oh, and last thing, I stumbled upon the, the world's oldest geocache, which is located in Kansas. So that is. Oh wow! <laughs> I don't know why. Now you just gave it away. For <laughs> that's, that's where that is. If anyone's wondering. <laughs> wow. So. So yeah, it's funny you that you mentioned road tripping, a Miata. So when I owned my ND back when I lived in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. I actually drove it from Memphis out to Asheville, North Carolina, which is probably about like nine, 10 hours. So not nearly as you know, many miles as you're doing, but I did find that the Miata was a really good uh, road trip car. Uh, it was comfortable. I actually did the journey from Knoxville to Asheville, which is about an hour and a half or two hours uh, with the top down the whole time. Cause I st spent the night, in Knoxville and then left early in the morning and it was a beautiful day. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to put the top down to see how I feel about that. And uh, yeah, just drove up through the mountains. I remember it getting cold. Like it was when I left in the morning down at Knoxville, I think it was around 59 or 60 degrees. And when I was going over the mountains, the Appalachian, the Appalachians there, it dropped down to about 42 degrees. Like it was getting cold <laughs> and I kept the top down, but I just turned the heat on and turned my heated seat on and it, uh, it worked perfectly. That's that's what you got to do. I um, yeah, I left Colorado. And it was like fifty degrees. I had the top down, windows up, heater on, heated seats on, drinking hot coffee. It was awesome. Yep. Uh, and then I left the top down for like eight hours. And then my friend in Kansas City was like, "You're a little sunburned." <laughs> I was like, "Well, that <laughs> happens." Uh, 
it's just part of the part of living with it and yeah actually an nd miata is even better gas mileage than mine like that's that's a great road tripping car so yeah I, it was uh, need surprisingly frugal i still think like the right car for such a long trip would be something like you know s-class long wheelbase yeah, an <laughs> amg for some corners now, S65 is really hard to beat in the road trip category, I think. <laughs> well, for those who don't know, I actually, the furthest east I had previously been was Salem, Ohio, also a tiny town in Ohio on the east side. I've actually been there, and I, I don't remember why. Um, <laughs> I think they invented the drinking straw there, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. It's up for well, debate, but the, the mayor was very adamant. It was credited <laughs> to them. Let me look. It's a place. That's really funny. Um, and it was, it was Bendy a lot straw. Of fun. I think it was Bendy straw specifically. Oh, okay. That's an important invention. Oh, but I'm I, sorry. Yeah, it's Lisbon, I, Ohio. Like... <laughs> yeah. Curious. Wow. Well, I went back to the dealer and met with the original owner who was the G the GM of the dealer I bought it from. So that's why I was at a GM dealer, like general manager at a GM dealer. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> he was super thrilled. It was almost two years to the date since I had bought it and drove it back to Colorado. So this was me making its triumphant return back home. He got to see it so again, see all the modifications I had done. Um, it was a lot of fun. And his friend was there with the uh, Ferrari F40 that or a uh, Ferrari, no uh, Ford GT40 that all the audio from Ford versus Ferrari was used on his friend's car in Salem, mm. Ohio. So oh, wow. they're just putting Salem, Ohio on the map. Yeah. So it was the GT4 <laughs> like that all the sound from the movie was from, which was awesome. Um, so yeah, just random little stop. And that's when leaves started to show. And then, yeah, I got to the Northeast and this is now the furthest East I've been. Um, and I'm having my first youngling, ying, Yingling? Yingling. Not a youngling. We don't want to offend Star Wars fans out there. Uh, <laughs> Yingling beer, which is one of the oldest. And yeah. I so, think it is the oldest let's brewery get, in the United States. I think you're right. Yeah. But let's get into this car news. I would love to pick y'all's brains on the brand newly debuted Lexus LX 600, the behemoth with a grill that is effectively a ladder you could actually climb up onto the hood with. <laughs> um, so, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on the new Luxo barge? <laughs> so, Perfect. yeah, I mean, so Lexus, I mean, they've had the big spindle grill for a while. This is definitely a new take on it, though. In this particular guise of this picture, LX, it literally looks like it's about to just eat a Prius whenever it just walks up behind it. Um, I like it. I love the redesign, uh, personally. The front end, the rear end, I think it looks great. But I'm just super excited about the interior. Um, that's kind of a place where Lexus has always been a little nicer than Toyota in general. Um, but this new car, this new version of the LX seems to have taken it to a whole nother level of luxury on the inside. Finally, you get modern technology, nothing that's you know, running off of a floppy disk or anything like that in your for your navigation. I think you get a full digital display now or very close to it. Um, I mean, I love the way it looks it just in general. Uh, what do you think, Ben? 
Uh, I really love everything they've done with it, but I have two very, very strong complaints. And they're, uh, as you can imagine, incredibly minor. Uh, but they are game, they break everything. So uh, can you get a side view up for me? Like, so I can maybe explain it better. Hopefully our, our watchers can then see. On the green one? <laughs> Green's good. Uh, I think that C-pillar, how they bring the rear window up to make it look sporty, I just hate that. I wish it was way more squared off with the rear window, especially if you're in the third row, which I'm assuming is still an option. You're going to feel really secluded back there. And then the other thing that bothers me is it looks like they've shrunk the greenhouse, but raised the hood, which I know kind of makes it look imposing. But I feel like the belt line, the base of where those windows are at, should be in line more so with the top of the hood. So you have this upwards looking out over the car kind of view rather than you know i mean this is the perfect card of the greenhouse in and i feel like they kind of messed that one up a little bit and i'm sure they'll make up for it by having seats that don't get low enough if you're tall so that short people can feel like oh look how high up i am like what they did with the gx 460 how they kind of ruined it from the gx 5 or 470 in my opinion but um other than that the rest of it seems like a great <laughs> and the rear entertainment area is pretty cool. You're you're right. <clears throat> the uh, the rear window, now that I'm looking at it, is incredibly small. Although I guess mm -hmm. it is a five seater, not a seven. So do they not offer the third row anymore? Uh, um, at least not from what I. Can I do, still want but maybe visibility. Like I just I think yeah. here's the thing. You look at a Range Rover. And it is a master class of SUV design. The way the hood lines up with the belt line, you've got these really nice flat lines and then the, the floating roof with just a big ass greenhouse around the whole thing. And it's perfect. And there's, and I still think no one's probably designed a better SUV than Land Rover has in that respect when it comes to like the feeling that you get. Cause you can even see it in the, the images there, like how the window belt line dips up or dips down just behind the rear view mirror to kind of like account for all this sort of like slightly weird overbulked design that they're going for. Oh, you can get a third row and they're going to be yeah. very so close back there. I think, Is it still a tiny little sunroof though? That I have a third complaint now. Yeah. <laughs> Give yeah, it a panoramic roof. Yes. Like Good it's lord. Not a panoramic roof. Um, it doesn't have to open. Just make it a skylight. You get the third row unless you opt for the two individual fancy captain's chairs in the back. Which yes, you should, especially you should absolutely the, do. Mm -hmm. With the fancy, uh, what do you call it? Where the front passenger seat folds into the cubby, and then you have like infinite legroom if you're in the rear passenger yeah. seat. <laughs> Super reclining rear seat. I want to be chauffeured up the side of a mountain, forty-five degrees up. I was gonna say this is that's the ultimate seat to go off roading in while you're getting your massage. <laughs> yes, it's yeah, I need a massage. Fantastic. Well, there's some good camera angles. That's a weird. Yeah, I, I love how they highlighted where the engine stop start button is with that like blue hand. And how yeah, to, that won't cause confusion. Your finger. Oh, let me just really quickly turn off the radio. Oops, I hit the wrong button. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a weird placement. I do see cool rear seats in this package, mm -hmm. so I am all in. Um. Yeah, I think Lexus really said nice. that they added like four forward-facing cameras so you can have like a cool little trail cam thing like in that uh, previous photo showed. Um, and I don't, I honestly think Lexus probably designed this car to make it feel smaller 
than it is. I mean, they know their target audience is probably not going to be generally off-roading this car that much. I mean, this is more of an on-road car, especially if you get the F-Sport trim with the limited slip differential in the back of it to make sure it handles better on the road. Um, but imagine as far as the third row goes, I mean, it's very seldom used, I'm sure, in general. And if you're back there a short period of time, I don't think that's a huge deal in the design overall. They should do an, like a, you've got the F-Sport, they should do like an X-Sport or whatever they want to call it, which is like all the good look of the F-Sport, but like all off-road stuff on it. You know, like what they did with Sequoia and TRD Pro and whatnot. I think that'd yeah. be cool. Does that digital gauge cluster do the LFA-like thing with the circular screen that slides? Is that what I'm saying? Because if it does, then it's amazing. Because I love that. A little further H5. to the right. Oh, no. It's just, it looks it, like it's, it's all digital. It's analog dials with like a square screen just kind of slapped in the middle from the look of it. All right. I like the analog dials. That's very, very useful, I think. I've never once felt like I needed a battery voltage gauge in my car. I'm going to be <laughs> brutally honest there with that. Um, are these hybridized or no? Uh, no. Mm. Turbocharged or twin okay. turbo six cylinders. I like a hybrid. Yeah, with, with a different amount plane of there horsepower so more a good bump in horsepower and torque while also shaving yes. over 400 pounds so oh, that's, that's all great um can you imagine though being like compared to the other seats if you were the kids stuck in the third row with no side windows <laughs> no panoramic sunroof i'm looking at it no it's screens, really freaking far you're back just, you're just sad <laughs> See, this angle shows the thing I'm complaining about in the belt line perfectly. The the window sill is flat, and then it cuts up just before the hood to like make them allow them to have this like over the top bulgy hood. Drop the hood down just a little bit. Do the Volvo. Here's the thing, Volvo XC90. Yeah, I know I was talking about Ranger. Volvo XC90 known for its off roading probably, capability. Well, no, but it's definitely a great looking car. And it's because they don't do that like weird bulkiness tall hood where then the it jumps down. They're not doing this. You know, it's honest. And I think I would like to see it a little more honesty, but I know this is probably just more of a, you know, the Japanese automakers have a very specific design language they're all dealing with right now. So and I guess we're well, just gonna have to let them live that out until they get into the stately sort of, you know, uppity vibe like you get with Volvo and Land Rover products. Well, I mean, moving past design here briefly, so little tech specs, right? So we already mentioned the twin-turbo six-cylinder. I think it's like 409 horsepower, 479 foot-pounds of torque. Pretty healthy increases over the outgoing 5.7-liter V8. That's my it also has, yep, it also has a new 10-speed automatic transmission. Uh, that should definitely nice. help with fuel economy. And it also... <clears throat> Excuse me. Apart from the limited slip diff, it has new air suspension that automatically levels as you drive along. I believe the old one did that, but this moves faster. So you have normal, uh, like an entry access mode, kind of like Range Rover, high one, high two, but apparently it moves a lot faster than the outgoing model. So you're not waiting as long, um, from what I understand. Uh, I'm really excited just to see it in person. I want to see how big and imposing that grill looks because I think it's hard to get over that based off the outgoing model because that one already set up the huge grill <laughs> movement for Lexus and Toyota. I mean, you look at the new Tundra, that grill on that's probably rivaling the grill on this thing. 
if not bigger. I actually like the front. And it apparently keeps the same protein power triangles as the outgoing model, which means I don't have to make fun of it for being worse off road. <laughs> yeah. So they call the 112 inch wheelbase the golden ratio. Do you know why? I I, I never heard that before, but I I've guess never heard of that. Refer that yeah. And neither no, have I. I can just assume them. it has to do with that those approach <laughs> departure angles, probably. But yeah, interesting. I really want uh, them to hire some Swedish designers. <laughs> I just. I think they're going a little over the top with their styling. And I think they, they dial it back and just nip and tuck. I think they're like so close to this 10 out of 10. And they're just stuck at this like 8 out of 10 for these little things. That said, I bet it will yeah. look a little bit better in person. And I'm sure it's going to be amazing to drive as they always will be. Even with 400,000 miles, it'll probably still be great. That's sort of their their it's trait. Gonna be, it's going to be quiet and refined. And I will say, I can't wait to do a highway like gas mileage test with this thing. Because I, I feel yes. like it's going to be impressive, especially given the outgoing model. So I'm excited. Yeah, I think the outgoing but, model has been rated for 12 miles to the gallon combined or something like that. <laughs> so if it's anything wow. like that, even our GX gets terrible fuel economy. Uh, the only <laughs> references I can find to the golden ratio between a wheelbase is literally in response to this new vehicle. It's how the 1991 wow. FJ80 inspired the 2022 Land Cruiser. I think it's a ratio of the wheelbase to the track width. So it's not like the wheelbase is perfect. It's just the, the ratio of its width to length. Oh. So basically, Toyota did something, and now they're self-proclaiming it as the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Nobody else has ever referred to it as this, but we do internally, so that's what it's called. We also have the golden number of automatic gears on our transmission. Apparently, it's <laughs> going to provide better grip while cornering <laughs> and reducing weight overall, is what that seems to do. I, Yeah. I don't know. That's <laughs> an interesting like thing to talk about on a vehicle like this, I think. Yeah, they're just hyping it up. They're their own hype man. I get it. They just wanted to do something yep. special like that. So every single auto outlet would use the word golden ratio. And here we are. We've said it like six times. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's working. <laughs> it's working. Um, so I guess we can move on to Mercedes-Benz EQ, which we've talked about a bit before. Um, we, we talked about the EQB, um, but I kind of wanted to lay out all of them together uh, just because there's a lot of people, myself included, who are kind of confused on the random, seemingly random letter terminology. Um, but Mercedes, as a reminder, is committing to go full, full electric by 2030, which is a like $46 billion investment between now and then. Wow. Um, so the e EQS is a big deal and Kyle will be coming on the podcast soon to talk about kind of his feelings uh, as like EQS versus Model S Plaid versus Porsche Taycan versus Lucid Air. He has driven all of them recently. They're all fresh on his brain and he wants to do a deep dive brain dump as he called it. <laughs> but in the meantime, let's look at the EQS a little bit. Um, that is coming 
to the U.S., uh, as well as the EQB, but not the EQA or EQC. Um, and there's also the EQG. So uh, how familiar are you guys with the lineup, I guess, before <laughs> reading anything? I, I fully understand it because it just put EQ in front of whatever the car was previously called. So do you know what the Q... I mean, I'm assuming E is like electric. EQ is just their electric smart thing. I mean, if you have a, a Mercedes with a plug-in hybrid or mild hybrid system, they, were, they call it EQ Boost. Um, I don't know oh, if okay. EQ is a acronym, though. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me, but it probably is. who knows. So, 2022. I think they just made US, it up. Um, <laughs> Could be. So we'll be getting the rear-wheel drive and all-wheel drive variant of the EQS. Um, the egg. The year. <laughs> I think the uh, real I, EQ I, that we need to talk about here is the Smart for 2 EQ. Get out of here. They don't sell that car in America anymore. I know, but that was the best one. I actually agree. $47 billion. So I cannot get myself to like the eqs styling no single part of it do i like um i, I think it really depends uh, on color on that car yeah. and wheel choice um so i've mm -hmm. seen some yeah. photos of ones that i've thought have looked good and i can't believe just how like after watching several videos on it i can't believe how freaking big this car is it's huge it's so long it's like the size of an old cadillac Deville or something. It's huge. I, I kind of like can't unsee like some like mid twenty thirteen ish era like Hyundai Elantra from the front because of this like kind of short nose and like really yep. curvy roofline. Uh, but it has honestly, to be like looks, I know it. Does, it just looks like the Apple Magic Mouse to me. As I can't unsee <laughs> it. Like it's all I see. Like I just. It's the easiest. Like joke to make maybe but it just looks like the apple mouse so much uh because it's got just this one curve I, I, or something. well that's that's Symmetrical how you get the lowest drag coefficient of a yeah, production car I, I was gonna say <laughs> no I, I think wheels and like color matter because this one's kind of sportier looking it doesn't look as bad as some of the others i've seen but i think it's really and with the size of it in person it might look better it also suffers from my personal pet peeve of the belt line is so much lower than like the a pillar to hood gap you know, if you look at the bottom of that belt line point, where re if you go up from there to where the hood and a pillar meet, it's like like this. It's you, a huge amount. It's like six months. It just looks bad. You, you have a it lot of opinions a, on belt line. You've literally gone both ways yeah. in this one <laughs> podcast already. No, that's the what I'm LX saying. I don't is like too high, and, and the, this is too high. I'm saying the same thing. The hood is too high. The belt line should be. Well, the belt line should be lower, just so that you have better visibility overall and doesn't feel it like is you're in low. Look at it. I, I agree, but the hood line is then too high. It's a ratio of the two. It has it's to like, be for air, aerodynamics. Look yeah, the way it's shaped to go over the roof of the car. I don't want it to look like that. <laughs> I think in person it will it look looks better. Cheaper. I, think, I think in person it looks better. I'm reserving judgment on probably, the exterior. But I know the interior right. will be amazing. Yeah, The BMW 228 Grand Coupe has the same issue as well. It's really bad on that car too. That's just an ugly car anyway. Could have been better, though. They lowered the hood by, like, four inches. Or raised the rest <laughs> of the car by four inches. Whatever you got to do. Tech-wise, 107.8 kilowatt-hour battery. 
Um, there is a 90 kilowatt hour battery variant. We won't be getting that in the U.S. Makes I sense. I guess that's for some other markets. Yeah, U.S. Mm -hmm. Bigger is better. Um, <laughs> All about that range, baby. What else? Oh, yeah. The, the performance um, car will have the larger battery and then two motors and a race start mode. Um, is it going to be like a red button? I don't know, but yeah, it'll, it'll increase output to 751 horsepower, 752 pound feet of torque up slightly from 649 and 700. So respectively, um, uh, with better cooling system as well. So that'll be interesting. And then what I'm really intrigued by, which is not us, but the EQS will have hands-free level three technology supposedly next year in Germany, not in the U S which means the driver is not um, responsible. Like the responsibility falls to the vehicle at that point, and the driver doesn't well, need to pay attention, but they have to be prepared to assume control if the vehicle tells the driver, hey, wake mm -hmm. up. I think level three is still like, if you crash, it's on you kind of a thing. You know, I think they're kind of going to be weird on that one for a while. I mean, it's interesting that they say yeah. the driver does not need to pay attention. That's an interesting wording. Not something that yeah. in the U.S. we could do because technically with Tesla's autopilot, you could almost get there with their full self-driving and all that right now while they're full self-driving in quotations. Yeah. What is uh, that one? Oh, the E. The EQE looks great. Yeah, I agree. That that one's better. Um, and it's, what, it's smaller? Yeah, smaller than the EQS. It looks and smaller. It, it shrinks the belt line to hood height gap. <laughs> oh my god! Also, I, it, what's kind of funky about these cars I've been noticing is that the A pillar is kind of taller than it actually is because you can see on from this angle that the glass is set downwards, and then you've got this sort of like a, a a ridge. You know, it's like inset to the uh, like that roof arch, mm. which is kind of weird at the base of it. I'm sorry um, for anyone listening who's not looking at this car. But... Yeah, it's like a really tough thing to visualize. <laughs> Imagine if you took a normal car and you moved the base of the windshield down, like you hinged it at the top, moved the base of the windshield down by like two inches, but you didn't change any of the rest of the structure of the car. So that just sort of like had this like ridge that ran up and kind of faded away as it went towards the top of it. It's a very strange thing. It must be an aerodynamics tweak, but I don't like it. <laughs> so, shocking, I know. Approve. Uh, <laughs> and then of course the big boy the eqg i'm really intrigued by this one i i would love single-handedly responsible why you can't buy a v8 one going forward <laughs> <laughs> but oh yeah in um, all seriousness i think this is probably the coolest version of the EQ yeah. by far but yeah, why does EQG... it have a square tire on the back or not tire, but like where the tire used to go, it's just now a square box. Are they going to develop square spare wheels or is that no longer a spare tire? Which is kind of a shame if it is. Maybe a cool little like backpack storage spot, but I, I don't know. I kind of was wondering what they're doing with that. Like it looks cool, but like tires generally are circular. Tires have been round yeah, for a long time. Are. Yeah, I'm like, I guess that might just be a little like backpack storage bin now. I think, yeah, I mean, if it's not a spare, that's what it is. Um, or it's yeah. just a concept thing and we shouldn't read into it. Yeah, I like <laughs> the really like big uh, tinsel. 
Yeah, I like that. Uh, they couldn't do that in the U.S. for sure. I like the really nope. big uh, third brake light, you know, center high mount stop light chimsel up on the roof rack. It wouldn't I be able to be cool. up there either. It could be. Just they don't have to it come with roof the rack. I don't think it has to be in the window, does it? It can be outside. I think it is the window. here. It's just not on. It oh, looks yeah. like it has, has it in both. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's both. That's a running that's light cool. then. I mean, this is like some graphic designer's concept, so we're like reading into it far too much. <laughs> so, but the yeah, I, thing it'll be great. EQ, the EQG will have four electric motors, so Rivian kind of style, mm. one for each wheel, and a two-speed gearbox. So, how many two-speed gearboxes will it have? That's what I wonder. It has four independent electric motors and a two-speed gearbox. Which motor is getting that gearbox? That's what Just I would like to know. Right. Just the front <laughs> right. Do they mean that they're really... That's interesting. That'll be really interesting to see how they handle that. I, I expect it's going to have two two-speed gearboxes. To, at least on one axle, it's going to match. So they're not going to do four of them. Yeah. That'd be crazy. They might have wasted and space we, doing we talked, that. We talked about EQB before. Um, we're not getting the EQA or the EQC, but... B I actually looks pretty decent too. Um, I like that. Yeah. So yeah, I think those we'll are the most EQBs and EQGs to be honest, because I see G wagons like every freaking oh, yeah. day. Every day. So, but I think the EQB will probably be the number one seller just given the price point of the EQS because it's a hundred thousand dollar car and any halfway decent spec. So I mean, this car should uh, should and be the one that we see out there a lot. And like the Model Y was unveiled to seat up to seven, the EQB theoretically will be able to be optioned to seat seven, even though it's a small crossover sort of. You can, I get, the B, you can get the B class with seven seats, and uh, there are not many vehicles in that size category with third row. I think it's EQ, or well, yeah. the B class or the EQB, or what is it, GLB, right? That's what they call it. You've got GLB Discovery plus. Sport, yeah. and then I have zero clue of what else is the size with third uh, row. There is a Nissan Rogue. You can get a third row in, oh. surprisingly. Don't know why anyone ever would, but what else Nissan is Rogue. Small. Can you get like a GMC Terrain? I mean, the Outlander, but that's kind of the same thing. Outlander? Did I tell that's you bigger, uh, I feel like. the Volvo... The Volvo XC60 I had, when I picked it up from Kyle... He mistakenly told me it was an XC90, and it was in the middle of the night. I had no idea. Kind of started doing my <laughs> review, and then like I get to the back, and I'm like, okay, now we're gonna fold up the third row, <laughs> and I couldn't find <laughs> it, and I realized it wasn't there. I was saying the wrong car the whole time. I had to reshoot the whole first part of that <laughs> video. <laughs> so these things happen, but it's an interesting um, note here, just saying that the having the third is attractive to certain families because the third row is in china is custom for important passengers which can typically be grandparents and the third row therefore needs to be comfortable not an afterthought so i'd be curious to see how it um i guess gets put in because the eqb was developed with mercedes in china so i'd, I'd love to yeah. experience that i'd love to do a review of, or a comparison of the best third row <laughs> like ignore the <laughs> whole rest of all the other cars yeah or ignore the driving experience everything just focused on the third row which is best 
Um, so a lot of cars will be the second row, but not a third row. I mean, like I would probably go with a minivan at that point. Best third row. Oh yeah, Pacifica the, um, done. Carnival. Yeah, I was gonna say new. Yeah, Santa. or the Carnival. Oh, Carnival yeah. is probably good too. Even though I always want to say Carnival, but Carnival. <laughs> Land Rover Discovery, so while a not a flashy third row, is a good, very, very large and spacious third row. Like I'm six two and a half, and I fit back there with plenty of legroom and headroom. Range Rover has, Sport. That is a very uncomfortable third row. <laughs> That's an awful third row. It's like makes the X5 third row look somehow useful. X7 third row, just saying. That's probably a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Until they do, oh, well, Alpina. There you go. We can just keep pushing it up a <laughs> Yeah, <run>. done. <laughs> yeah, everyone should well, uh, the, uh, just tweet at us. What do you think has the nicest third row of any vehicle out there? You can't say 747 business class. Yeah. It doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, I'm and, excited for this. Yeah, actually, EQ you should let us brand, know. So. The EQ invasion is here. Yeah, and let us I know what. It. Let yeah, us which one you want to tweet us? Exactly. Tweet us at out of um, So let's dig into another update. It seems like just every couple episodes we have a, another update to this whole bolt recall, um, which apparently, at least according to GM, LG is going to pay 1.9 of the $2 billion in cost for the recall, which is just so much money. Poor LG. Um, <laughs> And I, I, I mean, we say it's a lot of money, but why... do we know? <laughs> yeah. For a multi-billion dollar company. I mean, oh, 100... It's just 140,000 cars. That is insane. Um, do you guys yeah, remember the Samsung Galaxy S7 fire hazard yes. thing? Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I was working for Apple at the time, and... Just the amount of people who through hearsay were like, oh, yeah, don't buy a, any Samsung because they catch fire. And I was like, OK, Samsung makes a lot of phones. This is one specific <laughs> yeah. niche. And then I heard further. I further heard people that were like, don't buy a smartphone. They catch fire. And so like th- this is what Kyle was talking about when he was nervous of the GM like recall affecting certain people's opinions of just EVs in general. Um, yeah. It's, it's it putting, pushes adoption back. Yeah. It's, it's a rough, I guess, set to what we were hoping would be really quick adoption across the board. So that's, that's so, yeah, <laughs> it's just so hard to read all this. Yeah. I mean, it's um, a big guy on EVs, you know, I mean, like, we just mentioned it's definitely going to push a lot of people back from buying one. Oh, what about the fires that you hear about the bolts and oh, Tesla catches on fire. Well, like fires are so rare in any car in, and especially EVs. Unfortunately, you only hear about you know, the glamorized ones that hit the news cycle. And then of course, with this recall, I mean, every, just about every single bolt has to be recalled. So that's a huge, uh, mm-hmm. definitely a huge detractor to a lot of people for the next probably five to 10 years, I would imagine. And in the meantime, yeah, for those true. who don't know, they've told people to not charge more than a certain percent of the battery and park 50 feet away from other vehicles, which... 
I got a barter in like nosebleed section of a Walmart parking lot, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's um, bad, but so they're making it right. So that's the important part. Yeah. That's what matters. Um, so the Bolt is still a good the, car. Probably a great buy right now. Although I've heard it's pretty hard to insure one at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. Insurance. Yeah, I'd love to see the Bolt EV. I've only done. I've only driven the Bolt EV so far, um, but I do want to move on to Mazda. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> the Mazda, Mazda owner wants to move on to Mazda. Three three new SUVs by 2023. That's so sporty. And as we kind of expected, they're moving into their double digits for for some reason. Got the <laughs> CX-30 to light, which effectively, speaking of light, I'm going to fix it. It replaces the um, CX-3, which is the small, almost like an unnecessarily small crossover. I think we may have lost you briefly there. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, the light started flickering right, yeah. and then all of Things a sudden going haywire in this house. Um, <laughs> this is a haunted <laughs> network connection. <laughs> I am actually I'll just keep talking while the he's getting things sorted out. I, uh, I'm excited about these because longitudinal architecture is always good, yes. in my opinion, for vehicle styling, number one. Kind of forces you to have a good front end and like dash to axle ratio has got to be kind of good for it. Uh, and I think I kind of prefer them to move this new numbering system because it's been very confusing for the last couple months and years when there's like, you have the CX-3, but what's the CX-30? Is that bigger? Is it smaller? I don't really know. So, like, standardizing that all is kind yeah, of a yeah. nice touch. Yeah, and the CX-30... six plug-in hybrid, that sounds cool. And the CX-30 has the same platform as the MX-30, which we complained about last mm -hmm. week. Um, Not about its look. <laughs> and what's, in, what's interesting is the CX-50 is also sharing that platform. So it's just which is a different number it's not a 30 like the mx30 and the cx30 so it's just all sorts of confusing meanwhile they will still sell the cx5 alongside the cx50 for some reason um they're also is the cx50 about the same size because it's a two row and then they have a cx72 row is one just yeah. a bigger two row i guess and they, we're into like benza two row sort of a thing I think so. It, it is curious that they're bringing back the CX-7 sort of as a CX-70 and keeping the CX-9 kind of three-row, but as a CX-90. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. just all sorts of... I, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but during the transition phase, it's confusing. Um, I'm sure they'll phase out the CX-5 eventually, and that would, that would probably yeah. make sense. But I am very intrigued by these turbo inline-six engines and plug-in hybrid even which is a first for mazda um so yeah what's what's not to like about an inline six i guess we'll see how oh, it drives. exactly well, are they still Maybe going in the u.s alabama still, production facility 
will they will they still keep the six speed automatic transmission that they've been <laughs> using for ten? At least forced years. to change it now that the engine's facing the different direction, so there's a silver lining in this all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll probably get to design something. Yeah, I was gonna say they'll probably go to an eight speed. That seems to be like the the bar standard at this point. And the plug-in hybrids are probably going to be a CVT, but hopefully not. No, Mazda. Uh, I don't think so. I think a lot of plug-in hybrids that you see right now that are longitudinal-based, you know, whether it be Porsche or Mercedes or Land Rover or BMW plug-in hybrid vehicles, you've got the engine, and then sandwiched between the transmission and the engine is just an electric motor where the torque converter was. So I think there's a good chance that we won't end up with a CVT. But I would love to see a way for it to be more of a range-extended vehicle, but I know they're not going to do that. So there's no point in hoping. And by the time they release their plug-in hybrids, everyone will have kind of fully booked into the EV thing. So that, yeah, I hope yeah. they do it kind That's of soon. Electric. I hope they're pretty ready, you know, and they're not like four or five years out. It'd be a little tough. That's just so many, though. Because, I mean, MX-30 is initially, I think, California only, but once it's range-extended variant comes i think it'll be for the whole us and probably the mx30 mm -hmm. will be for the whole us so we'll have what mx30 cx30 cx50 cx5 cx70 and cx90 is that a new record for number of suvs <laughs> for mazda basically all suvs but it's, hey that's what the american market demands i mean there's gonna be that it's gotta be mazda 6 rear wheel drive platform that's gonna be a cool cool car i think no yeah. one will buy it, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I think, and they'll discontinue it probably after two years. They already don't collectible. Buy it. Yeah, exactly. But someone they'll, will. They'll It'll discontinue be like it, and then here. people people will complain, but they're they're going to discontinue it. But then, if they don't discontinue it, it won't sell. It, that's just kind of a circular argument that keeps happening. But this this has got to be a at least percentage wise CUVs versus everything else. It's basically CUVs and hatchbacks, and then a Mazda 3 sedan and a Miata. That's their entire lineup. So, <laughs> pretty intriguing. And it, it's, it's funny with the CUVs because, I mean, even the CX-30 actually has less storage space than the Mazda 3 hatch. Uh, I know. Which is just really funny. So, and didn't drive as well. Um, I don't know if... We mentioned this before, but the CX-30, when Kyle really hooned it up a canyon, we could tell that the all-wheel drive, like the, the differential was really making a weird noise. It was like it wasn't designed to actually be driven hard, which maybe makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but the the yep. Mazda 3 all-wheel drive turbo was fine with the same type of driving. So it's it could have happened had to do with the fact that it was like meant to be lifted and more off-road not like performance driven um i don't know i i would love to drive all these um and even though i'm i'm a mazda fan but at the same time the cx30 was actually fairly disappointing compared to some other cars in the segment like i would if it was my own money i'd probably choose a venza over the cx30 honestly um they're not quite the same size but it's mm -hmm. the cx30 just lacked certain technology and it you know the six speed automatic was it did feel a bit aged um it just felt like it was lagging behind a bit so hopefully the the all-new powertrain will bring a whole new experience we'll find out um <clears throat> let's talk about winnebago 
Kyle has one, although not the traditional. <laughs> Kyle has a Winnebago converted Mercedes Sprinter, um, the, the Winnebago Revel. But this is Winnebago's actual campers. And I know it's not typical car talk, but I did want to bring this up, especially on Kyle's behalf, just because I feel like he would love this thing. Like I, I could actually, for some reason, see him towing this behind his rebel. Just it's adorable. <laughs> I like, like the name. Double the house. Yeah, it's called the <laughs> Tiny Hike 100. And it's a small <laughs> towable camper. Um, and it's only... Well, I was, I was a bit confused by the specs as far as weight. Because I think the weight was... Yeah, dry weight of 2,700 pounds. But the GVWR was 4,200 pounds. Um, we can put a lot but, in there. I mean, it's empty yeah. versus loaded, maximum loaded. So, yeah. So even maximum loaded, that's still almost like most decent SUVs can tow this. Mm-hmm. Um, any, almost any truck will tow this. Um, I, I think it's yeah. awesome, and a lot of useful space, a lot of configurations. You can actually configure the inside like five different ways. I think mm-hmm. when you order it, uh, it's how it's how it's built. So pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, what's funny is last night I actually showed Ben this. I was reading. I was like, oh, Ben, look at this new little cute trailer that Winnebago just announced. So it's like, that'd be perfect to tow behind the GX for our trip that we want to take that's all off-road. <laughs> that would be. Because it's designed to do that. Like, you can put like, solar panels or something <laughs> on it. Like You can customize this thing pretty extensively from what I understand. Um, it's, I think it's a great idea and they're probably going to sell like a zillion of these things just because of the size. And Mm -hmm. like you said, Jordan, almost anything, any decent truck or SUV can tow it. I mean, I think even the new Maverick can probably tow it to be honest with the two liter turbo. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, uh, it's pretty impressive. And look at that spec right there though. I don't know if I can actually sleep on the bed. I don't know how wide the trailer is, but. Well, Ben definitely wouldn't be able to. I just don't know, maybe, but with the pillows like that. I thought they said that's a good seven feet wide. Oh yeah, then that'll be fine. (laughs) Just, just probably exterior. I'm guessing it's a queen mattress then. Queener, probably. um, Full, yeah, but good. Spec. I mean, 31 gallon freshwater tank comes with a solar panel as standard. You can add on another solar panel. It's cool. Um, it's got tool compatible roof rack system. Uh, it's, I mean, it's it's well designed, well spec. I think a lot of people are going to like it. It seems very functional. Um, and again, yeah, multiple floor plans, different customizing. I, like I can't. Well, this configurator is live. We're going to f- configure one on the podcast, guaranteed. Um, <laughs> uh, there's something I'm just reading here that's really cool is they have it what they call a bat wing awning which is popular with overlanders but it's an awning that rotates and wraps around basically uh, you know not just one side but you know th- presumably about three sides of it because it says it provides you 200 square feet of covered space outside which is actually a lot uh, that would be really nice on a rough day if it's like really hot and sunny or kind of rainy that's a, I think, an often overlooked because you don't want to spend all your time with Charlie. You might want to just be outside, but in some form of shelter. Between 
the outside covered space and the inside, that's about the size of my first apartment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is real Look, there living. There it is, and a 4Runner. Or a Prado, either way. The most affordable Perfect. camper van. So oh, that's they have the Solus Pocket. That's the Solus Pocket, yeah. So they, this is one of six new offerings from Winnebago. Um, and they haven't announced pricing for the tiny um, Hike 100 yet. But I, I'm very intrigued. Um, they even have, um, let's see. Yeah, Micro Mini FLX, Micro, or the Mini Tiny Hike 100. Um, and they have new, like, full-on campers. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. And there's even a new, one of them is actually made for, like, handicapped accessible, like, wheelchair accessible camper. Yeah, the so, Rome. I was oh, just, wow. I saw that. That's very cool. It's a really good idea. Yeah. That's an underserved aspect, I would imagine, in this. Yeah, so but get them outdoors, too. Keep in mind, you can either buy this really cool Hike 100 or that Cyber Camper thing, because they have the same stuff. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know where I'm putting my $40,000 with the pre-order money right now. I'll tell you how much. Which, which one will come to market first? <laughs> I'm, I just, you know, it's all about the Cyberlander, obviously. Cyberlander, yeah. I think that actually, uh, side sidebar on that, I think they have a pretty good chance of eventually figuring out how to pull it off because of how delayed Cybertruck seems to keep getting. <laughs> they don't. They, the best thing is they may not like. What if they don't release the car? Well, but hey, then you don't have to build it anymore. I wonder if the uh, if they were <laughs> Probably, they're not going to have the money by the time it doesn't come out anyway. They're going to be bankrupt. Good luck getting it back if that's um, <laughs> guarantee it's not in a separate account. That's a turn. Speaking of van, speaking of van life, I did want to bring in this um, side note article. A retired double decker bus becomes a two story home. It's wow. actually not probably that's a so drivable cool. home, but this is absolutely brilliant. With the advent of tiny houses, they just all seem, or most of them seem to be just a bit too small for me. But I mean, double decker buses are big, they are sizable. And this thing is awesome. Um, there's not many photos yet, but this main photo, I mean, the giant chimney sticking out the side, I think it's going to be amazing. And I almost guarantee it's going to be featured on Living Big in a Tiny House, one of my favorite <laughs> YouTube channels. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a good idea. I'm sure that yeah, there are a lot. I, I mean, I don't know what it takes to acquire a double-decker bus that's retired. 3500 bucks, apparently, is all it takes. But, I mean, I feel like there's enough of them out there that you could turn quite a few of these into that, into a tiny house, you know? And, like you said, it's probably not drivable, I would imagine, at this point. But, still, it's very cool just to say, yeah, I live in a double-decker bus. And with the amount of room in them and the utilization of space that you can do nowadays, it's probably pretty comfortable. And just imagine listening to the it's rain a on a rainy day. <laughs> you just uh, be like, I'm going to tell you right now, the cost uh, to acquire a decommissioned bus is incredibly like cheap. It. There is a 2001 uh, transit bus for sale on Gov 
deals.com and the current winning bid it closes in 10 minutes is uh, 3500 bucks and it's like a proper greyhound coach single no, no bidding but... it. i could snipe this guy and grab it so we got four hundred fifty-two thousand <laughs> miles accurate unknown is the description unknown <laughs> flatbed recommended <laughs> where, where are you gonna get a flatbed that big gotta tow it baby with what a train? <laughs> Gotta figure it out. I don't yeah. know. That's their problem. You probably get a running one for not a whole lot of money, though. Actually, like uh, it's, any of those city transit buses are generally not that expensive. Actually, oh, there's one local. Oh, I should close this website now. It's dangerous. <laughs> I I I really want to try car camping at some point. My uh my friend here in Scranton that I'm staying with just bought a Ford Edge, which I completely forgot those exist. Um, and opening up the back, it, it was just like perfect size for like probably a chopped up full bed, maybe. I don't know, but totally could fit two people. Um, and it's comfortable. And it's the Ford Edge with the two sunroofs. So before they really did panoramic, but still wanted to be cool. Actually, it's pretty good mm -hmm. spec for 2008. Um, and it just made me want to, <laughs> yeah, sleep in that. <laughs> I, I can say I've seen a Ford Edge before and gone like, ooh, I want to sleep in that. But you know, we all take inspiration from different areas. My parents owned a 2004 yeah, Ford Edge, so you probably, you definitely could sleep in really? the back of it. Yep. They bought one brand new. Yeah. Wow. With the big yeah, panel. This one is uh, black, black with cr the big chrome wheels. Um, and yeah, panoramic brown leather interior. It's, a, it's an interesting spec, but. I don't know. Meanwhile, I just have my Miata and haven't slept in it yet, but I guess that could happen. But that wouldn't be comfortable. A lot. You can fit a lot in the Miata. I mean, the like I have the retractable hard top from the NC, which when the top is up, you have basically a second trunk that the stop the top would normally stow in. Mm -hmm. And then you have the main trunk, and then you have two glove boxes and the whole passenger area. I mean, you can get creative and fit a lot of things. So 10 out of 10 can recommend. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Yeah, that's a, but I feel like car camping is just the new, new thing. Ben really wants to go car camping in our Lexus. That's camping in the hike 100, but I think the hike 100 is a better idea than camping in the back of a 16-year-old towing? What's the towing on your Lexus, the capacity? I doesn't have a hitch on it right now, so zero. <laughs> it's got, like, the setup for a hitch, but just doesn't have the receiver. Yeah, it has, like, the, the wiring in oh. there. You just got to put the thing on, which is kind of strange. I've never seen yeah, it done Yeah, it was like spec'd that. like that from the factory. Um, you could spec so it's prepped, but it doesn't have the receiver. Uh, up to 6,500 pounds. Depends yeah, on the model year. 45 yeah. to 65. 45 seems a little low. I'd guess 65 because we've got the 04 newer, well, we have, 6,500 pounds. That's what we have. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we have We could get uh, with the, the 100, tiny yeah, 100. 100. Yeah. The hike. <laughs> that's what I want. I want the hike. Winnebago, if you're listening, because I know there's a very high chance of this, uh, we will take one and test it for free. <laughs> we'll do that 1,000-mile off-road trip. Towing the hike, on, I guess. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I think we'll call it there before my internet mm -hmm. fully gives out. Um, <laughs> definitely hit us 
up on Twitter if you have um, any recommendations um, or questions for us. Um, hit us up at out of spec. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm uh, uh, yeah, M and then uh, my Brilliant. Twitter is. Oh, this is the mess. <laughs> yes, there you oh. go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> that one's me. <laughs> then the Benji underscore LOS. I am Jordan underscore Schieffer, and I will have better internet next episode. So we will see you then. <laughs> With better internet. Take care. We also have an out of... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.